in Psalm uh, 56. This is part two of Psalm 56. And we're going to uh, start in verse 9. If you have it, say amen. amen. When I cried out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are bringing upon, are, are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, we thank you, and we bless your name. And it's in his name we pray, the mighty name of Jesus. The church said amen. Amen, amen. amen. I also want to thank my lovely and our lovely daughter, Kanita. Uh, who helped with the PowerPoint, and uh, amen, amen, from a distance, as she's working on her doctoral dissertation, and we're fighting to get stuff done, amen, I love you anyway, hallelujah, amen, amen. A well-known millionaire in the state of Texas uh, spent a majority of his adult life trying to convince the world that Christianity is a false religion and that God does not exist and all of the so-called followers of Jesus are in fact perpetrators. When he discovered that there was a conference being held in the town that he lived in in Texas where hundreds of evangelical pastors were gathering for an expository preaching uh, conference. He informed the news media that he was going to once and for all prove that all pastors were frauds and that Christianity was simply a man-made religion. And so with cameras rolling, news media present, a large number of pastors were gathered around an Olympic-sized pool during a break. And the millionaire stood up and he lifted up his briefcase. He said, inside of this briefcase, there's a million dollars. And if you are a true, God-fearing, Christ-serving, Bible-believing Christian, I will give you this million dollars if you swim across this Olympic-sized pool. There are crocodiles in the pool. There are alligators in the pool. But if you really believe that you can do all things through Christ, who strengthens you, I not only will give you this million dollars, but I will convert to Christianity. Then there was total silence in the room. So as the millionaire is walking out with his chest poked out and pointing to the news media, I told you they were cowards. I told you they were frauds. None of them really believe in God and the Bible. 
he heard a splash. And he looked, and there was a preacher in the water. The news media thought it was Mike, Michael Phelps. The dude was, he was swimming so fast. <laughs> this must be Michael Phelps. So he, he not only jumps in this Olympic-sized pool, he swims to the other side, he jumps out, and the media said, I'm converting. I believe that Jesus is God, and, and he's the Christ, and, and here's the million dollars. And the, the, the preacher said, wait a minute, I'll take the million dollars, but I just want to know who pushed me in first. <laughs> Who pushed me in? <laughs> Life has a way of pushing you into what fear has us running from. The more you try to avoid what you fear, the more fearful you become of the people or things that frighten you. Somebody say amen. The enemy intensifies his attacks on those areas where we are vulnerable. When he knows that you are afraid, he will put a target on that area and systematically set up opportunities for you to be triggered in order for you to cave into fear. Say to your neighbor, deal with it or be dominated by it. In Psalm 56, David says these words about fear. And someone has said fear is the anacronym, false evidence appearing real. 80% of the things that we are afraid of never happen. We spend so much time on Google diagnosing ourselves. Before we go to the doctor, we done got cancer, died, resurrected. <laughs> David said, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what can mere man do to me. I shared on last week when David penned these words, he was literally running for his life. The most powerful man in the nation of Israel, King Saul, had put a bounty on the life of David. He did not want David brought back alive. He wanted his corpse. And so in desperation, David flees to the least likely place. He flees to a place called Gath territory owned and occupied by the enemies of the nation of Philistine, whose king at this time was Achish. And so he was completely surrounded by haters, people who wanted his life. Every single day, his life was in danger. Now, to overcome David's fear, he realized he had to deal with it or be dominated by it. Now, before we consider, we already looked at three of the seven principles that we can glean from Psalm 56 about how to overcome fear. And I'm going to review those real quick. 
and then uh, I will go into the remaining four. But I want to share something that's very, very important. You need to really allow this to settle in your heart. In 2 Timothy 1.7, the Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Say that with me. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. God identifies fear as a spirit. It's not just the feeling of terror or discomfort that is caused by the threat of harm or loss. This is not just a feeling of a threat of harm or loss. Scripture says God has not given us the spirit of fear. And so fear is a spirit. Now, what makes fear that doesn't come from God for the right reason foul is where it originates and its intention. Say originates and intentions determines if it's a foul spirit. The spirit of fear is an internal invisible attack that originates in our thought life that has been infiltrated by Satan. As you think so are you. And so fear doesn't necessarily start with a threat to us being harmed or losing something. It starts with the enemy planting the seed that what we are seeing or feeling is going to harm or take something from us, whether it's real or imagined. Okay, so it's an internal, invisible attack on our, that originates in our thoughts that have been infiltrated by Satan, that Satan has actually, the Bible says, the heart is deceitful. The central source of our emotions is unreliable, untrustworthy above all things, and desperately wicked who can know it. When the enemy gets control of our emotions, we will believe what is not true is true, and we will believe that what is untrue is true. Are you with me? The goal of the spirit of fear, watch this. This is what makes it so dangerous. The intention of fear that originates from the enemy is to prevent you through intimidation from fulfilling God's purpose for your life. That is the intention that the devil uses fear. He wants to block you from reaching your full potential in Christ. When you get a chance in Matthews 25, when you read the story of the talents, one gave one, five, the other two, and the, the third was given uh, one talent. And when the Lord returned and says, give me back my investment, give me back the interest on what I invested in you, the third man said something very interesting. He said, I was afraid so I buried my talent. That is what the enemy wants to do when he attacks you through internal, ungodly thoughts that terrorize us. He wants to paralyze you to prevent you from accomplishing God's goals and destiny for your life. 
That's what it's all about. He does not want you to fulfill the ministry that God has preordained for you. Fear is like a monster standing at the door that is proven. And all you see is the monster. You don't see it. If I get past that monster, there's my destiny. There's my blessing. There's my purpose. The enemy sends messages that cause you to doubt God, to feel insecure, rejected, unloved, indecisive, suspicious of others without cause. You just, I can't trust her. I can't trust him. You don't have any reason, but that's what fear will tell you. You can't trust nobody. I have to constantly be evaluating my, my motives and my conclusions. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I thinking this way? Where did that come from? And sometimes it's not them, it's not you, it's me. So if you got suspicions of people, we, you bring that, we bring that kind of baggage into our walk with Christ. And we have to keep unpackaging it. When we get married, you bring a whole lot of luggage into that marriage. And you, it ain't clean, the laundry never got clean. But it gets unpacked the longer you are with someone. And sometimes it's not them, it's you. And so now we have these feelings of insecurity. We have feelings that people don't like us. They, you know, they're excluding me. When you are a person who is fearful, you will have a domineering, controlling spirit. Some of the people that you think are most confident, most bold, most un, un, uh, you know, unflappable, no, no pushing back, you're really scared. And so the, the, the boisterousness, the toughness, the anger, all of that is often a facade, a defense to keep you from seeing that behind that, that, that makeup is a frightened person who does not want to be exposed for their insecurities. And so... What we want to do, we're going to recognize what spirit. That's why the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, not every spirit is from God. Judge what kind of spirit. Why am I angry? Why am I fearful? Why am I feeling this way? Is that spirit from the Lord, or is that originating from the enemy who has infiltrated my thought life? Because if you don't identify that it's an attack of the devil, you will find yourself on the other side of Jesus said, I have come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Why are you living like a spiritual pauper? Why are you living under the privileges of grace, the benefits of grace? Because you're on the other side. Fear has kept you out of God's promised land, flowing with milk and you need to ask yourself these questions as we jump into the, the principles. Why am I afraid? And sometimes the question that connected to that question is, am I not doing this because I'm afraid or because God told me not to? Where is this fear coming from? Because all fear is not bad. There's some places you don't need to be going. I'll visit you by phone. Let's, let's do a Zoom call. You said it's going to be at 9 o'clock. Okay, we will. So let's do, let's, let's get the link now. I ain't going down to the bottom. I'm from Philly. I visit Philly now. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for all those who are watching us from Philadelphia. I love Philadelphia. I'm coming when I'm getting there. But there's some places we need to avoid. Somebody say amen. amen. And same thing in Delaware. Hallelujah. There's some places you need to, all right, all fear is not bad. Here's another question. What is my fear preventing me from accomplishing? What is this standing in my way? If I do this, what will be the result? What, what is the blessing that is being withheld from me because I'm not dealing with my fear? Here's the last question. And that basic, what is, what is my fear preventing me from doing? Say fear. Say fear, fear. That, seeks me that seeks to prevent me from accomplishing God's will, accomplishing God's will in my life. Is demonic. Is demonic. Your destiny is at stake. There's some things that you need to try just because you want to. You're not testing God. You want to trust God. You're scared to go over that bridge over Route Nine. Get on the car. Get in the car and drive over that bridge. Tell me what happens when you finish. All right, and we'll celebrate together. And so here are the, here are the three principles that we looked at that David. Uh, used in his own personal life so that fear, he wasn't dominated by fear, he dealt with it. The first thing we learned last week is ask God for help when you are afraid. Psalm 56 verse 1a. Ask God for help. Secondly, we learned accept the facts when you are afraid. Verses 1b, 3 through 8. He said, for my enemies are hot in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack my adversary pursues me in all, all day long in pride, in pride. Many of them are attacking me. So he, he, he accepted the fact. He is under attack. He was afraid. Here's the third thing that we looked at last. Activate your faith. He said, I will trust you. I'm going to make a business decision. No, I'm going to make a faith decision. I am going to trust you. I see Goliath but I see the God who's greater than my Goliath. I see the mountain, but I hear the word of God saying, if I have the faith, the size of the smallest of seeds, I can speak to my mountains, to my obstacles, to those things that would otherwise terrorize me. I can speak to that, and it got to move. I will activate my faith. Here's the fourth thing starting today. I will apply, say apply, God's word. David said, in God, verse 4, it says, whose word I praise. I value your word. I esteem your word. I meditate in your word both day and night, and I'm going to be like the tree that's when David was that guy. I value your word. I praise your word. And he said, and I trust you. Watch the two. Watch the two. The two are inseparable. When you, you value God's word because you trust in the authority and the character of God. It's impossible to really value and trust and, and value and esteem the word of God while you at the same time do not esteem, that is, the, the character and the authority of God. The word is true because it stands on the foundation of God's character and authority. It has to happen. So shall my word be that go forth out of my mouth. It shall never return me to me void, but it will always accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper 
whereunto I send it. It's standing on the, the authority and the character of God. And so I esteem your word. And to esteem your word means that I trust you. And the proof that we esteem and trust God's word is not that you can recite the scriptures. Not that you, you've made it through your devotions that we, David said, therefore I will not be afraid. That's the application. So when I'm esteeming God's word because I trust in his character and authority, the proof of that is my obedience to not be afraid. I will not be afraid. When you trust the word of God and you value God's word, the evidence will be obedience. I will not be afraid. I will look at my tests and my attackers differently. Who, what can people do to me? When you are seeing people from the perspective and the vantage point of the word of God, they cannot harm you. That's why Jesus said, do not fear him who is able to destroy your body only, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul and send you to hell. And so when I, David says, here's what I do. I esteem your word because I trust you and the proof that I hold your word high because your character and your authority is, I'm not afraid. Because what God said, God said it's going to be all right. God said no weapon formed against me shall prosper. God said that, he, he, he said that if I am for you, or since, here's a better translation, since I am for you, who can effectively stand against you? God said, greater is he who is he. God said that, therefore, because I can trust his promises because of his authority and his character, and I, he holds his word even higher than I do, I'm going to activate it by being obedient. Faith without works is dead. See, we can quote the scriptures. We can find our way around the Bible. But when you are confronted with the enemy attacking you and trying to infiltrate your thought life about the plan of God for your life, how do you respond? Do you use the sword of the spirit to resist? The Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh unto God and he'll do what? Come on, church, draw nigh. You got to do something. You got to apply the word. Why should you apply the word? Because of the word. He said, I value your word. Why do I value your word? Because I trust you, your authority, and your character. Why can I trust Because what you say in your word is true. Some of you are familiar with the story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. 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 Sorry. <laughs> in, in Daniel chapter 3, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was given this wise idea by his counselors to erect a golden image. And everybody in his kingdom under his authority, when they heard, the, when they heard uh, uh, earth, wind, and fire playing, <laughs> when they heard the instruments playing, they were to instantly stop whatever they were doing. They were supposed to bow in reverence to the statue who represented Nebuchadnezzar as a god. Now when Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, who are Bible-believing Christians or believers, Bible-believing followers of God, who knew the Ten Commandments, the first commandment is thou shalt not have any other god. Thou shalt not worship golden or, 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 or images, false, false images of God. So they refuse. 
Nebuchadnezzar got the word that they were refusing, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, we're going to have this fire intensified seven times as hot as it normally is. The heat and the flames were so hot that the person that was going to throw Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego in, they got consumed by the fire. That's how, the, that's how, how the intense the flames were. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, and they said to the king, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, here's the application of the word. You're standing before these flames. You're standing before the authority of the king who said, you're getting ready to get thrown in there. You're going to die. You're going to bend or burn. And so he said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And if he will deliver us from, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king, but if not, somebody say, if not, let it be known to you, O king that we do not serve your God, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Even if God says no, we're going to apply his word because we would rather burn than to bow. And we know how that turned out. They got thrown in the fire, but there was a fourth man in the fire. But they got thrown in the fire. They, they, some, we forget that. They actually got thrown into the fire. They didn't know that there would be a fourth man in the fire. They didn't know that their clothes wouldn't get burned. They didn't know that they wouldn't even smell like fire. They didn't know that the king would get converted because of their a willingness to apply the word of God. When he looked inside, he said, didn't we throw three men inside the flame? Now I see a fourth man. They didn't, they didn't even testify as to it. They said, and he looks like, he looks like the son of God. <laughs> God is looking for someone who is willing to allow their light to so shine before men that they will glorify him. He is looking for Christians who recognize that we are the salt of the earth. But if the salt, if we lose our test, how do we lose our testimony? By failing to apply the word of God when we face our fiery furnaces. Oh, man, I can share so many other examples. Now, I'll share just one since you're all just kind of egging me on. When you get a chance in 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 2 through 6, King Saul literally hated David for no reason at all. He had 80 priests slaughtered because one priest gave David something to eat. That's how intense his hatred was for David. Now, when we come to this chapter 24, Saul has organized 3,000 of the best military in Israel's army to get David. Somebody said, we know where he is. So they, fought, they go to the place where they think David is. And Saul said, man, I got to go to the bathroom. This is literally saying he had to relieve himself. They didn't have you know, the kind of facilities that we had. So he goes inside of a cave to relieve himself. And while he's in there, what he doesn't know, that David and his men are hiding in that cave. And so his men said, Today, God has delivered your enemies into your hands. Go get them, David. I know Jesus would say maybe eventually, love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. Bless them who curse you. And, and, you know, I know that, that, that's New Testament. But right now, David, the Bible said that he crept up behind, relieving himself, Saul, and he cut a piece of his robe off. But the spirit said, don't kill him. And then when Saul fully 
dressed in a tie, goes back out, gets his 3,000 men to go look for David stands up on the top of the cliff and he says, Saul, I could have killed you today. He said, but the Lord said, touch not my anointed. As evil as you is, God anointed you and I'm not going to touch you, neither do my anointed any harm. David applied the scriptures when he could have and most of us would have <laughs> killed our enemies. Apply the word of God. When you are going through, when you are attacked, apply the word of God. How many of you ever had this experience? You know you paid a bill on time. But when you look at your statement, there's a late charge. Nobody, that's, that's just me. I had a late charge on my Visa card. So I called those, I mean, I called those representatives. <laughs> and after you go through about 15 automated, we have updated our system, and please pay close attention. I did that about twice. And then finally I get a representative, and he said, hold on, sir, hung up. Then you go through the automated system again, ask for a representative, hold on, sir, hang up. Now I went from zero to five. I'm at five now. In Jesus' name. Be angry, but sin not. I'm at, I'm at a five. I, I ain't sinned yet. So then I call back again, and I get this nice, young, non-English-speaking person. Sir, you were late. According to our records, there's nothing that we can do. No, you cannot talk to a supervisor. Click. Oh, no. Oh, no. That five now going up to an eight. So then I call back again. I get another gentleman, and I'm at the eight. This is why I don't deal with this company. It's antiquated. They don't have their system together. I know I paid it on. I got records to prove it. And the guy said, he, he just listened, he listened. And he said, look, I'm going to refer you. Click, and he sent me to a local agent. Her name was Regina. <laughs> now watch this. The first thing she said was, I see that you are a pastor. <laughs> Why you do that? I'm like at a nine, and here you are. About, I see that you are a pastor. I got your email, pastorb at 65.com. I, mean, I want to tell her something, right? I want to. But what she did, turns out she was a Christian. Here's she, what she did. She applied the word of God. The Bible said, a false answer. Turns away wrath. What could I do? I couldn't deny that I'm a pastor. I can't be yelling, I'm a pastor. Even if she hadn't corrected the problem, her response was good enough. When you apply the word of the Lord, uh, Joshua said, He will make your way prosperous. He will make you a success. Well, does that mean a big house or I'm going to get the job? No, no, no. Every time you and I obey the word of God, guess what you are? You're a success. That's what success is. Obedience to the word of God that I've observed it, I've meditated on. But most importantly, I have applied the word of God in my daily experience. When I am afraid, I will trust God whose word I admire, and I will prove it because I'm no longer afraid. 
When you are applying the word of God, you will no longer be controlled by fear. Don't mean that fear ain't still trying to whisper in your ear. But you aren't going to be controlled by it. You're not going to be dominated by it. Somebody say amen. amen. Apply the word. Here's another principle, number five. Anticipate more attacks. David said in verses five and six, all day they twist my words. How, how long? How much of the day? All day. They're folk who just think about how they can harm you all day. Oh, why would they do that? No, if you really get serious about Jesus, don't be surprised. All right. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together. They hide. They mark my steps. They stalk in me. They lie in wait for my life. Ex anticipate more attacks. You, oh, you were victorious this time. <laughs> I done stepped on old Sufa. Ain't gonna intimidate me by this anymore. You know, there used to be movies that you just hear the name of and you get nervous. No, 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 that don't, that don't bother me no more. But anticipate more attacks. Here's how Je the Lord Jesus warned his disciples about dangers that would come that could cause us to be terrified. He said, when in the end times, there will be wars and rumors of war. There will be false prophets. There will be famines. There will be pestilence. He said fathers will be against their sons and so sons against their daughters. He said that hearts will grow cold towards me. We Christians will turn, professing Christians will turn against each other. They will turn against each other. And he said, but do not be alarmed. So the nearer the return of Jesus, the greater the assault will be against Christ's followers. And so he says, more anticipated, not getting better, but getting worse in terms of the assault against people who literally take a stand for the scriptures and what God has said. So, there's a, so uh, there will be, look, anticipate attacks in the future. We are in those times now. Somebody say amen. amen. But here's another, the enemy will intensify his tactics to paralyze us when you have to make a difficult decision about your present situation. Now, I'm not going to read these verses, but in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 24, Paul is in a place called Miletus, and all the elders from the Thessalonican region, they have gathered in one place, and Paul tells them, I'll never see you again alive. I've got to go to Rome. And he said, all that God is showing me, <coughs> showing me regarding the vision he gave me, he see, I, I see chains, and I see suffering. That's all I see. And so the leaders, even a prophet named Agabus, Agabus says, uh, he, he had a belt of Paul. He says, see this belt? And he breaks it in half. He said, that whoever is the owner of this belt, that's what's going to happen to you if you go to Jerusalem. So he was talking directly to Paul. And then the leaders cried and begged them not to go. And so... He, he had every reason to be afraid because he knew that if he went there, it was going to be suffering, that he was ultimately going to die. But God had given him a vision and said, you're going to stand before kings. Now watch this. The closer you get to the purpose of God for your life, the more intense the attack on you will be. Paul had the pressure of people that say, don't go. Had the pressure of a prophet who says, if you go, this is what's going to happen to you. But God had told him to go. And Paul says, I, would, I am ready to die for Christ. Now, that may sound crazy, 
But when you're not intimidated by the enemy's attacks, you will make decisions that are difficult in the present, even when it might mean that you're going to lose. So the more, here's, a, here's what I want you to catch. The closer you are to the will of the Lord for your life, the greater the fiery attacks of the enemy will be. That doesn't mean that you're distant or God is angry with you, that you're not in the will. It means that you're close. You're close. So Paul's most difficult decision was getting on that boat. It wasn't if I'm going to die. He had to decide to leave his friends. He had to decide to make some tough choices. What are you struggling with right now in your present that God is telling you he wants you to do and you can't see all the details? You can't see the outcome. It may not work out the way you would like for it to work out. That's when the devil will cause us, he will try to intimidate us by our budget, by our friends, by our health, by our age. Uh, 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 someone was saying, um, uh, even in this political arena that we live in, friendships have been destroyed because of <clears throat> if you don't support a particular person. If you take a stand as a Christian, you can lose your membership at a church. There are people who are more committed to a, a, a political agenda than they are to the mandates of the Bible. The closer you are to what God wants you to do, the greater the devil will try to intimidate you. Paul got on that boat and went to Rome. And we know what the outcome was. He wrote the book of Romans from a jail. <laughs> the greatest one singular theological treatise in all of the Bible was written while Paul was incarcerated. Here's a final uh, area why we can anticipate more attacks with the them. Uh, the enemy will use your past failures to intimidate you, to prevent you from fulfilling God's call for your life. The Bible says that God appeared to Moses in the burning bush that was not consumed. Remember that story? And Moses, I got to come, so I got to see this. I'm 40 years. I've been walking down the same 95. I've been driving. Down, I ain't never seen nothing like this. So he, he, he comes aside to see the burning bush. And the Bible says, God speaks and take off your shoes. Man, I'm on 95. He said, the ground that you've been walking on for 40 years is no longer just regular ground. It's holy ground. Whenever God's presence shows up. Ordinary dirt becomes holy dirt. When God entered into your body in the presence of the Holy Spirit, God says that you now are the temple of God and his spirit indwells you. You are now not just holy, ordinary dirt. You are holy dirt. The presence of God is inviting in you. He said, I've heard the suffering of my people. I heard all their prayers, Moses. Moses said, yeah, God, yeah, God. He said, I'm sending you. Moses said, what, what, what kind of tongue is that? And then he starts making excuses. I can't speak. Uh, I'm a criminal. I'm a fugitive. I got a case against me. I tried this and failed. So the devil will use your past failures to intimidate you about God's call on your life. Anticipate it. Somebody say anticipate it. Let me run on. Job put it this way. He says, though he tries me, he says, but the Lord knows my ways the ways that, he, that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as pure gold. 
what you are going through, what would otherwise intimidate you, what would otherwise paralyze you, if you respond properly, God is removing the dross. He's removing those things that don't look, that are not like Jesus. And so as I get through my fear by faith, on the other side, he said, I will be refined as pure gold. The devil wants to keep you from becoming all that Jesus has planned for you to be. Somebody say amen. We're moving on. We're moving on. You still with me? Allow God to handle your situation. Somebody say, allow God to handle your situation. This is number six. In verses seven through nine, he says, shall they escape by iniquity? He says, in anger, cast down the people, O God. You number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle, and are they not in your book? And he says, when I cry out, you hear, then my enemies will turn back. So here's three quick things. That is, allow God to handle. The first thing he did, he said he turned his enemies over. In anger, cast them down. God, you, the battle is not mine. Bible says, vengeance is not yours, says the Lord. I will repay. So Dave, the first thing that David says, he says, uh, Lord, uh, in, uh, I, in anger, cast them down, the people of God. So he turned his enemies over to the Lord. Here's another thing he did. He trusted God with his pain. He said, you know my wanderings. You capture every tear when I cry at night, when my heart is broken when I can't even articulate why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling or the pain is so great. He said, every tear that I shed, you have captured them, but not only have you captured them, but you have numbered them in your book. Somebody say, God cares about me. God cares. And so he said, I'm not only going to trust you to deal with my enemies, I'm trusting you with my feelings. I'm trusting you with my disappointments. I'm trusting you with my pain. You capture every tear. Nothing has kept God's notice about us. He also says, I'm going to trust God to protect me. He says, when I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because you're for me. <laughs> I'm about to sit God on you. <laughs> I said, it'd be better for you to be at the bottom of the lake with a millstone tied around your neck than to harm the least of my little ones. He said, when I cry out to you, God, you hear me and you respond from heaven on my behalf. You are my avenger, oh God. You are my leaning post. You are my strong tower. You are the place I hide. You are my shelter in the time of storm. You are my battle axe. Hallelujah. Somebody say he done protected me. God has protected you. Hasn't he protected you? Hasn't he activated his power when you know you should have been destroyed? God stood before you and he parted your red seas. He gave you victory when you should have been defeated. He protects us. Even when I'm slumbering and sleeping, he is awake. He keeps and watch over me. Thank you, God, that you kept watch over us last night. Thank you, Lord. I had the alarm system, but it was you, oh God, that kept us from harm and danger. It was you, oh God, who kept my heart pumping blood. It was you, oh God, that gave me sleep and peaceful sleep. Thank you, God, for protecting my emotions. Thank you, God, for pursuing my enemies. Thank you, God. Somebody ought to thank him. Is he worthy? Has he protected you? Has he been a way maker? 
Has he blessed you even when you know you shouldn't have been blessed? You know you shouldn't be here today. You ought to be crazy somewhere. But the Lord kept your mind. He caused all things, not some things, to work together for the good. Somebody say, for my good. For my good. For my good. Why? Because God, God, God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. I don't know about you, but God, somebody say he's for me. <laughs> God is for me. God is for me. He's my protector. Hallelujah. My shelter in the time of storm. My bridge over troubled water. My way out of no way. My mountain moving God. The one who sees me when I'm hurting. The one who dries my tears. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Somebody ought to give him praise. Hallelujah. Has he been good to you? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hey, 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 sit down, we almost finished. Hallelujah. Allow him to fight for you. Finally, announce the victory over your fear. Verses 10 through 13. I'm just going to read verses. Verse 13. Before David was delivered, he was still living in Achish. He was still living in Gath. But listen what he says. For you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? David declares... I'm already through this, even though I'm in it. It's done. I'm announcing, I'm declaring that I have victory over this situation because God has already made a way. Announce your victory, declare it. You are not going to intimidate me. You're not going to take my lunch anymore. You're not going to rob me of my blessing. You're not going to keep me from my destiny. You will not prevent me from my purpose. Get thee behind me, fear. God has already given me the authority over my fears. Announce your victory. Announce your victory. So stand with me, y'all. I got victory. Somebody say, I got victory. Fear will not dominate me. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to deal with it. A pilot boarded his plane that had been sitting on an airstrip for weeks. Weather had changed, had gotten cold, but he had to make his way. And on that day as he boarded the plane, he began to ascend, and he was nearly halfway to his location, too far from where he left to return, and too far from where he needed to go to even consider returning, when he began to hear something behind the panel of his, uh, of the, the things that, det that he, his, 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 his instrument panel, hey, hallelujah. Mm -hmm. I fly him all the time. And what he was hearing were rats that had gotten into the plane to get out of the cold, and they were eating away at the electrical system of his panel. And 
he knew that this was a situation, that he, he, this was death. And so he was overwhelmed by fear. He was terrified. He began to perspire. He became confused. He didn't know what was going to do. Those rats were going to eat away at the interior of the plane, and it would crash. And then he remembered. Rats can't stand elevation. How I many you can't get past the rats? Let's just listen to this. That's up with the rats. Anyway, so he began to ascend in the plane higher and higher. And the higher he went in the plane, the less noise he heard. And by the time he reached his highest height, the rats stopped chewing at the, the, the electrical system and they all died because they couldn't deal with elevation. I want you to know that when we elevate, the Bible says, set your affections on things that are above. When we make Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, and we set our attention, we are elevating in such a way that what would have caused us to crash, what would have caused us to derail, what would have caused us to quit, the devil will have to flee. Because we've risen above. We've risen above that which formerly had the power to destroy us. Somebody say amen. I'm going to deal, deal with fear. Somebody say that. I am going to deal with fear. It will not dominate me. God has too much for me to do. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, oh, we bow in humble adoration to who you are. You have given us a great calling on, our, on each, each and every one of our lives. You have instilled in us your person, the Holy Spirit. And his desire is to live out of us what you have already planted in us. So God, I ask right now that you would release today a spirit of confidence, a spirit of boldness that we would know that we have already gain the victory in Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Remain standing. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord, today because you care for me. In that's why I raise you. I lift you up. I magnify your name. Mm -hmm. That's why my heart is filled with praise. Let's sing that one more time. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord, today because you care for me in such a special way. That's why we praise you. We lift you up, we magnify your name. 
That's why, that's why my heart is filled with praise. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed as we stand before the Lord today. I don't know what God has in store for your marriage, for you in relation to your children as a parent, what you may be facing just in your daily walk as a single woman, single man, the fears that you may be experiencing associated with just not being clear. I want you to know that the Lord has already given you the victory. But as we stand before him, we remember that nothing is hidden from him. The light and the darkness are the same to him. But there's a darkness that fills our heart that the Bible calls sin. And sin is simply falling short of God's perfect requirement that is revealed in his word. And the scripture says, if you or I break the commandments in one of the laws, we're guilty of them all. So that makes all of us guilty because we've broken a commandment. But the good news is this, that Christ said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. He fulfilled the law. Because he that knew no sin, he who never sinned, became sin for us as our substitute when he took our place by dying on the cross. And so he took your place, he took my place, and by dying and shedding his blood, that was God's required payment for sin. Because the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, sin cannot be forgiven. Jesus died and shed his blood. But if the story ended there, that wouldn't be good enough. Christ said, if you destroy this body, and I will raise it up again. And he kept his promise. On the third day, Jesus rose victorious over the grave. And right now, he's seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father, welcoming you to say yes to him. So if you're here today and you've never asked Christ to come into your life, would you raise your hand right now? You want to trust him. I want to give Jesus my life. I want to surrender to him. Would you raise your hand today? This is your day. This is your day. The Bible says that you should not harden your heart when you hear the voice of God. For the day of salvation is today. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. Would you say yes for salvation? This is a, an invitation for salvation. If you're here today and you do not have a church home and the Lord is saying, you need to be a part of New Directions family. We're a family. We're not an institution. We're not just a gathering of people. We are a family that will love you, support you, and we will activate the gifts that God has given you so that you can be a blessing to us as well. Would you raise your hand if the Lord is speaking to you about membership of this church? Are you here today and you have walked away from the Lord? Your hearts become cold. You've given into the lie of the devil that somehow we miss something when we don't live according to the world's principles. And you believe that lie. And you know, as a Christian, you can't be satisfied. You can't be pleased. You have no joy when you're living, in a, living a life that is 
in disobedience to the Lord. So if you want to return, if you want to be restored, would you raise your hand right now? Right now. Here's the last invitation. I want you to come to the altar. I want to pray for you as we talk about this major spirit of fear. Come to the altar. I want to pray for you, pray over you. Uh, for those of you who know someone that's struggling, you may be struggling yourself. Maybe you've delayed walking in the call of God for your life because you've not identified that it was fear. It was fear that originated. Maybe you're experiencing some health challenges, some financial challenges. Maybe you're struggling with loneliness. Maybe you're feeling that God is not hearing your prayers. Maybe you have a desire to be married and your faith has waned and you just don't believe it's for you, but God didn't tell you to stop praying. Would you come? Would you come? God said when we touch and agree, he will answer. If you need healing right now, come to this altar. We serve Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord who not only provides, he's the Lord who heals, but we also serve Jehovah Rapha, the one who provides. Would you come? Would you come? His name is Adonai, the Lord of all hosts. He's sovereign. Somebody say he's sovereign. Father, mighty God, hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Father, we're going to take a minute just to allow you to fill our presence in your presence. Father, we've come because we know that you said in your word that the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous have great benefit. Father, we know that when Elijah prayed, it didn't rain for three years. And you said he was just like us, just a, another normal person who had faith. So, Father, I don't know if it needs to rain on somebody's situation. I don't know if there's a drought in some of our lives, spiritually, financially, mentally. Some may be struggling with depression. Some may be just struggling with this, uh, feelings of rejection and insecurity. That's a drought, oh God. Would you rain right now by your Holy Spirit? Fall fresh, oh God. Would you just sprinkle a little love, a little reassurance? Oh God, would you release the power of your word on that situation? Because you said your word will accomplish that which you please. We just need you to speak a word. Speak a word. Father, I pray for those things that have died in our lives that you didn't pronounce dead. Oh, God, you, 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 you would have been there if we simply had asked, but now you are here. We're standing before our Lazarus tomb. And God, I'm praying that we would have the faith to roll away the stone, that we'd have the faith to believe you once again, that we would have the faith that if you speak to that which is dead, though it's been dead for many years, you can bring it back to life. And so right now, we're asking you to call forth the Lazarus in our life. Call forth the Lazarus in our life. Call forth those marriages that have died. Speak a word, oh God, over our dead things. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. Oh, God, we feel some grave clothes coming off. We feel some loosing coming on. Father, we feel some life coming back into those bones. We feel some life coming back in those relationships. We see Lazarus that was dead coming forth because by faith we are trusting you that you have done it. Somebody say he did it. He did it. Oh, God, we're not going from this altar the same way we came. Father, we're not going to let the enemy rent space in our minds anymore. 
Father, we're going to allow you to be the, 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 the controller of our thought life, oh God. So, Father, would you release a fresh anointing on our thoughts, oh God? Would you release a fresh anointing on the, the decisions that you have for us right now? Father, I pray that you would release another level of passion. God, right now, return us to our first love. Bring us to a place of total surrender to you, oh God. We are standing here right now presenting our bodies as living sacrifice. Accept our sacrifice, oh God. We surrender afresh to you. We surrender afresh. Somebody say, I'm surrendering. I'm yielding right now. I'm turning myself over to you. My, my will, my way, my ambitions, I'm leaving them at this altar right now. Oh God, you are the bondage break. <laughs> you are the one who sets free. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God, you say we would know the truth. And the truth will set us free. Father, you have already taught us the truth. We just need to apply. Father, I pray right now that you would release a spirit of willingness to obey. Father, I pray that you would release a spirit of def a de definitiveness. I will not fear. Somebody say, I will not. Oh, say it like you mean. I will not not fear. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. I pray for healing for those who are sick. Touch bodies, oh God. I pray for every person that's under the sound of my voice who desires to be married. God, I pray that you would raise up Christian husbands. I pray that you would raise up Christian wives. I pray that you would cause people to recognize that you have not given up on marriage, that he who finds a wife findeth a good thing. I pray for every single man in this room, oh God, that they would not play with sin, that they would turn themselves totally over to you. Father, I pray that they would make a decision to, to find a wife as you direct them, oh God. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray I lift up Middletown right now. Father, we're already there. I pray that you would put a, an anointing over the property, oh God, that everybody who steps on the land would feel your divine presence. I pray that the Shekinah glory would begin to radiate from that barn, oh God, that people would sense that you were there. Father, I pray that you would begin to loose miracles in that community. I pray that you would begin to reveal needs in that community. Father, I pray that you would raise up the church in this location as a mighty army, oh God, willing and ready to serve you. Somebody say, I won't be intimidated by the, by the devil's devices. I am free. I'm free. I'm free. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let the church say amen. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Give him praise. He's worthy, worthy, worthy.